So although officially we are still learning the halachas of challah, even though we haven't learned in a few months, I want to take the opportunity now that we are within Shloishim Yom, we are within 30 days of Pesach, to discuss the halachas of Pesach. We will primarily focus on the halachas of Kashrus, of which products are kosher Pesach, which products do not need a hashkacha for Pesach, and hopefully over the next few weeks we'll have time to touch upon other topics, medicine on Pesach, how to properly kosher one's kitchen for Pesach, but as Hashem we will have time to go through these topics. Just a disclaimer, although I am an employee of the CRC, this series of shurim is not Ellie Markowitz speaking on behalf of the CRC, I am just speaking on behalf of myself, the way I view the uh, the world of Kashrus and my understanding of Hilchus Pesach. But the reality is 99% of what I say is based on CRC policy, based on this uh, the, the, the 9 to 5 that I have, and my education in Kashrus is primarily from the CRC, and therefore, I wouldn't say 100%, but 99% of what I'm going to say is essentially CRC policy, and the sock from our Besden. If there is a discrepancy or there's a mistake, so that is a reflection on Ali Markowitz and it should not be a reflection on the CRC. When people approach shopping for Pesach, so there are many different levels of observance that people do. There are those, especially Chabad Hasidim and other Hasidim, they barely eat anything on Pesach. Now, they might eat a lot of the same foods, but as far as a variety, they, they don't eat uh, processed oil. Some Chabadniks don't eat sugar. Everyone has their own minhagim. But I'm just going to give a brief outline of someone who's just keeping the strict letter of the law, halacha, forget about minhagim, what they should keep in mind when shopping for Pesach, and perhaps to give a little background of the various answers they might receive, meaning they might ask questions, does this... Uh, peeled garlic or cut up fruit or frozen vegetables need hashkacha for Pesach. And it could be the Pesach would tell them if you use it, it's mutter, but you shouldn't use it. Some Pesach might tell them on a different product, it's fine, it's 100% fine. So then they might ask, why doesn't it say kosher for Pesach if it's 100% fine? So I just want to give a little background to how the hashkachas. I'm going to talk about the national hashkachas, the OU, the CRC, the Chavke, the Starke, how we give hashkacha for Pesach, what goes into it, and why some products say kosher for Pesach and some may not say, even though they might be intrinsically kosher for Pesach. So the truth is, we have to really discuss general kashras. Throughout the year, a person, uh, you, go, you go to the store and you find uh, cut up mango that was produced on a commercial level. The halacha is, a person's allowed to eat it. You're allowed to eat the cut up mango, even though they might have used a knife for uh, non-kosher food, but we assume that any residue that's on that knife would be bottled in the hundreds of mangoes that were cut with that knife. However, based on Rav Moshe Feinstein's psak, he has a tshuva regarding calling margarine parv if it was made on dairy equipment that, was, that, weren't, that wasn't koshered. 
and this is also quoted from our Salvation from our you as well, that although halakhically this mango, this cut of mango would be kosher, even if they use trafe knives, if you're giving hashkacha on a product, when you put your name, you put an OU, you put a CRC on it, you are giving edus, you are testifying that you've done everything that you can to make sure this is 100% kosher lechatchila. And therefore, as a general rule, the hashkachos will not rely on bittel when giving hashkacha. What does that mean? So very often, I'm sure we've all experienced, we ask a rav, a shayla, someone stuck the wrong spoon in, a, in the wrong pot, or a fork was put into uh, the dishwasher, a flashing dishwasher, it was a milchik fork, whatever it is, you might call your rav and you might tell you, oh, but the evet, it's mutter, but the bashishim, all various terms that might allow a food post facto. So the question is, what if a company does that? So it depends. If that's their standard operating procedure, that they put 1% of milk into a fleshig dish, we would say absolutely not. We would not give hashkach on it based on the psaka of Moshe and the psaka of Salvech, even though technically, halachically, it's mutter. Because if it's batal b'shishim, if it's only 1% of the entire mixture, it, it is batal. So we would not give hashkach on it. Now, bidiyavid, if things happen, the things got mixed in, so... Most uh, reputable hashkachas have a bezdin, and a bezdin could decide: should we make a, should we uh, force a recall on the product, or perhaps there's enough to rely on b'diavid. So we'll go with the strict halacha. Halacha is this product is kosher, and therefore we do not have to do a recall. But in the future, we would never allow it. We would never allow the company to do it again. So the same way that is true when it comes to kosher and non-kosher. Many hashkachas have that same policy when it comes to dairy and parv, and that is one of the reasons why. Uh, many hashkachas do not like writing parv if something was produced on dairy equipment or there was a small amount of milk residue that might have been in the packaging equipment and therefore they'll write OUD or whatever because D says it's dairy. One should suspect that there's dairy in there even though the dairy would be bottle or it's only a meat on kalim and it would be whatever halakhali napanat or whatever hetter you want to rely on that it should really be called parv the hashkacha will not write parv unless they are kashering or or uh, feel that there's sufficient cleaning in place from dairy to parv. That's another reason why many products halachically are parv. And people like me will tell people, yeah, you could have uh, kind frozen bars, uh, even though it says OUD because the ingredients are parv. And it might have been made on equipment that, w- that wasn't uh, clean properly, but halachically it's considered parv. Yet the hashkacha themselves... And if I was giving a shakha as well, I would not write parv on it because we don't get, we don't say parv when something is is bottle. We're only relying on b'diavids. We give hashkacha on things lechatchila. With that being said, and with the understanding of that's how the the, the world of kashrus operates, we could understand what goes into certifying something as kosher lepesach. Let's say you have a product. You have a kosher lepesach cake. So. The agency that's saying this product is kosher le Pesach, they're going to verify that everything, that every single ingredient from the preservative, from even the salt, has to be kosher le Pesach or acceptable as kosher le Pesach. That goes into certifying a product and saying P, saying kosher le Pesach, kosher for Passover. That means every single product uh, is certified, every single ingredient is certified for Pesach. And the process is 100% kosher lechatchila. Many hashkachos require a mashkiach tamidi. Every time they're doing Pesach run, they need a mashkiach tamidi to have extra, extra zahiras. That's regarding when it says kosher Pesach. However, very often it doesn't say kosher Pesach, but we know that there's nothing really intrinsically off with this. For example, 
one of the common questions I'm going to get, I've already got a few of them already, is regarding peeled garlic. So peeled garlic that uh, that's sold as, as is has a preservative or some type of citric acid that is used to, uh, to, to, to keep it from spoiling. The Hashkachos will say, if it's made in China, then there is a possibility that it's chametz, and it's probably kidneyous as well. In America, the preservative is usually not kidneyous, but even if it was kidneyous, it would be bottle. It would be bottle in uh, in, in the uh, in the garlic, and therefore they, they might tell you that you could use this peeled garlic for Pesach. So I just want to use this as an example. If you have a question regarding peeled garlic, feel free to email me or reach out to your uh, other friend who works in Kashras. But I just want to give an example that they would never say kosher le Pesach on it unless they verify that the preservative was indeed kosher le Pesach. However, they might tell you from a, from a halacha standpoint, we know that there's no chametz in here. There's a chashash, maybe, but we're not concerned for it, and therefore you could uh, you could use this for Pesach. But they would not write kosher le Pesach unless they're verifying that the preservative was indeed kosher le Pesach. Most hashkachas have the same policy in place for kidneys that even if there's a if there's a small amount of kidneys found in the product, a small amount of citric acid or xanthan gum or the like, they, w- they will not write kosher le Pesach. Now, they might tell you, oh, by the way, there's just a small amount of kidneys in it. Uh, some of the sports drinks are famous for only containing kidneys, and they might actually tell you that. But they wouldn't write kosher le Pesach on it if it contains kidneys. So that's regarding your your uh, your agency saying, Pesach, kosher le Pesach, kosher for Passover. We spoke about when things would be fine without Ashkacha. Typically, we're relying on either Bittel or, well, more of a Suffolk Bittel. We're not even sure if there is anything in there. And if it was, it would be in such a minute amount that we are not concerned for it. That's typically, uh, that's when Ashkacha will say, like by the peeled garlic, that that's, that's an American product, you don't have to be concerned. There's a lower level than that, and that is, there is a serious concern for chametz, but depending on your circumstance, we could assume there was no chametz in it and it'll be mutter. Now, this would probably be only applicable on a bidiyavid, uh, on a bidiyavid level. For example, let's say someone used a barbecue sauce by mistake. Now, some barbecue sauce actually contains wheat or uh, or oat, something like that in there, which would be chametz. But let's say there's nothing in there that's obviously chametz, but there, are, there's some vinegar or, or some alcohol, so one should never use that for Pesach because there's a significant chance that this comes from chametz. However, a Pesach who who will look into it might tell this fellow that B'diavid, especially if it was used before Pesach, you could rely that the vinegar was not was not uh, was not chametz, and even if the vinegar was chametz, maybe it will be bottle in the final product. So there are times when a rav might have to do a, a little more research and trying to figure out what is the likelihood of this vinegar or this alcohol containing chametz, and with the Evid, he would allow it, he would allow the dish. Now, he wouldn't allow you to use the, the barbecue sauce, hachatrila. he would say, go find something that's kosher le Pesach. But for most Rabbanim, they, at the very least, they would allow this, but the Evid, if, so, if something, you know, something got, got mixed in or the like, they would say it's mutter. Similarly, many uh, of the um, milk alternatives, like almond milk, by the way, oat milk is chametz, that's 100% chametz, but almond milk or soy milk, people that are on strict diets and they have no, they have no alternative or for children, so perhaps 
there will be times when a Rav would say, based on speaking with a kosher expert, that this product doesn't have any real chametz in it. This almond milk from this and this plant does not really contain chametz. There might be some enzymes that were used that might contain chametz or some vanilla flavor. Maybe the alcohol has chametz in it. But halachically, there's not much to be concerned for. And therefore, if a child needs it or someone who has a very limited diet and this is a staple for their diet, maybe we could be mako and we could uh, and, and we, we could say that you could drink this almond milk or this soy milk. So perhaps they would say it's mutter. So that's a third level. So just to repeat, we spoke about three different uh, responses you might get when ask, when asking if something's kosher Pesach. The best is when the Hashkacha agency testifies and puts their symbol on it and says, Kosher Pesach. We were there. We had a mashkiach tamidi. We looked into every single ingredient. Hopefully, we looked into we, we looked into the procedure. We know exactly this is Kosher Pesach. That's the best. Then you have a, a lower level where no one's testifying publicly that it's Kosher Pesach, but from a halachic standpoint, there's nothing to be concerned for, and therefore, if as long as you get the right information, you can know that there are certain dried fruits, there are certain brands of instant coffee, you figure it out, these things have no Pesach concern, and one is one should have no problem relying on that information and, and purchasing and consuming these products. The third level is when there are complicated or challenging uh, you know, ingredients that we don't know for sure if it's chametz or not. There's vinegar, we don't know where the vinegar came from, or there are enzymes used in the, in the process. It might be bottle, and in that case, one would only rely on bittel or roiv or whatever heter they're relying on in situations of shasat saruch when it's necessary for children, or bidiyavit situations when the barbecue sauce got mixed in. That's or, or additionally, many people think about not selling their chametz. We'll talk about that next time. So this would be another time where we would say let's. Let's analyze it from a Shulchan Aruch standpoint. Is there really a concern? What the concern is? Do we have bitl? Do we have raiv? And perhaps the psak would be bidiyeved. This food is kosher. Or for the child, they could drink that almond milk.